0: Okay then, here we are now with with some additional comments for our series, Impressions of Grace and Grit. What a series, what a series it has been. I know they say that every series, but this one, what a series it has been. What an impression. Well, Impressions of Grace and Grit. We we called this series Impressions. Well, it made quite an impression on me. (laughs) Can you tell? This story has made quite an impression on me. What a story. What an incredible story. I just think it's so beautiful. It's incredible, really. And there's so much in it. It's so rich. Incredible story. I've read the book. I I probably read the book maybe three or four times. And then when I was going over it again and studying uh, for this series this time, it was a little bit different because what I was doing was I wasn't just reading it. I was actually typing it up. So I had the book next to my computer and I would type this up. And I would do this. If you ever... If you've ever tried this, then you can get so much juice out of it because what that does is it slows down your comprehension and makes things much more concrete. So you move through the story in a very, you move slower and it becomes more real and it ingrains into you a lot more. Like so much these days is about speed reading. Like you, you've heard that, right? It's just, oh, how do you read a book a day? Reading, reading, reading. Yeah, read fast, read fast. This is like so s- slow speed reading. Copying it out by typing. And, well, I mean, it's 170,000 words. And really, I find that typing it out like this, instead of just reading it as normal, is actually the better way. Because then you can read fast. Then you can actually speed read other stuff because you comprehend so much faster. You comprehend so much more and you just see the words. So, like so many things, the secret to going fast is going slow. And I found the like the process, I would cry a lot. I was crying a lot as I was studying this. It's just so moving. There's so many beautiful passages, so many heart-wrenching passages. And I found that actually, when it came to talk and to give the commentary, then I wouldn't cry and I wouldn't get too emotional. So (laughs) don't even think that the, I mean, you can't hear, I don't know if you could hear when I was crying, when I was giving the commentary. I mean, there were moments, but you you can't really hear tears falling down the cheek. You can just hear it in an inflection of the voice. But... Don't take that to mean that it hasn't moved me deeply in many ways. And maybe it's a good thing that when I was delivering the commentary, I didn't get too emotional. And I felt as I went along, there was... I did become more comfortable. Like at the start, I felt particularly the first few chapters, I thought maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew because it's such a heavy story and I wanted to do it justice. And I really wanted to just just show and illuminate all the parts of it that have resonated with me. And that's not to say that, well, when I relay stories, it's very different. Don't take any of this series as a replacement for reading the story. Now, I, you, you must read this book just for the experience of reading. Because the, the reading, like the, the way that it's written, is masterfully woven. It's just so, it's such a, an eclectic, it's a multidimensional piece of writing. Because it's got journal writing, it's got reflections, it's got technicals. It's got interviews, it's got conversations, it's got descriptive language. It's got all sorts of stuff. And there's one thing, actually, which I did did not include in the commentary, which is that there's this thread throughout of Ken having this dream. And at certain critical points throughout the narrative, we find out a little bit more about this dream that he keeps having. And that ties in so nicely with The central narrative. And you can only really get that if you read the book. So I highly recommend this book. It really should be standard literature. Well, in a sense it is standard literature for transpersonal psychology. I mean, most people who are into transpersonal psychology know about this book already. So it's nothing new that I'm saying. And the other thing is, and this has been commented on by many, that... You can read this book with your partner and, you know, the male reads the Ken part and the female reads the Treya part because the way it's laid out is there's a margin down the side of the page and it's about 50-50. You have about half trayer, half Ken. And that means, well, then you're in your couple and you're reading through the narrative and it's a couple building exercise. And I was lucky enough, well, I, I was in a relationship where I was doing this. But we didn't get all the way through it. <laughs> the relationship ended before we could. <laughs> Let's not make this too much about me. Too much, too much information, Doster. We don't need to say too much. So if you're in a couple, you can have it as a couple building exercise of reading it together out loud the different parts. And what else can we say? I mean, the other thing I wanted to mention or re-emphasize was the, the piece of writing. Like, one of the central issues in this narrative is the feminism or the feminist writing on spirituality. And we realize that this piece of writing is the exact piece of writing that Treya envisioned. It was her way of contributing, well, without knowing, of contributing to the spiritual literature from the world of women, from the world of the feminine. How did she overcome her problems? What problems did she have? How did she get enlightened? What were her inner transformations? What are her shifts? And perhaps it's rightfully so that she actually wrote these words not even thinking that it would be a book. It was just her writing in her journal. It was just her private moments. And that's over steps this thing of, oh, I want to write a book, so I'm going to be really masculine, masculine and muscular. <laughs> masculine and masculine. <laughs> Oh, I just laugh too much at my silly words, don't I? We can make up words if we want. There's no rules against making up words. It's been done before. (laughs) But I digress. So the thing of being, like writing a personal journal, is more towards the side of being rather than doing, which is the side of, actually, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to have a voice and I'm going to express how women become enlightened. So it's a piece of feminist writing. This book can be read by a feminist. Feminisms. The feminine. (laughs) Oh God, I'm so silly, aren't I? It's okay. We're just being lighthearted here now. I think we needed some... I feel like we need some lightheartedness and some silliness after such a heavy story. Because it is heavy. It's such a... I mean, it's so beautiful. Really, it's quite amazing. And the other thing, or what's further mentioned towards the end of the story is recommended reading. So, if you're interested in Ken Wilber and Integral Theory, then the first step is to read A Brief History of Everything. And that's his book, which is a layman's introduction to integral theory. And if the technical passages that we've been over in this series resonate with you, then go read that book. And in a sense, you do have to be at a certain level to... a certain amount of understanding to qualify for that. Like, I mean, if you've listened this far through this series, then you qualify. You're definitely up for it because you've got a bit of an idea about what integral theory is on about but this this book a brief history of everything that's the first stop and it is quite technical it is quite heavy but it's designed to be more accessible than some of his other works now the full opus magnum the full hardcore high dosage version of integral theory is the book Sex, ecology, spirituality. And that is, that is the, f- like, just hands down, all guns blazing, Ken Wilbur at his most brilliant. Like, he uses all the words he needs. He does all the references that he wants. About how, something like a third of the book is footnotes and references. And it's 800 pages long as a bloody brick to hold it in your hand. But that is the full, massive, hardcore, integral theory in its total beauty. And that's very different to his earlier books, which are, well, you know, the books like Up From Eden or Spectrum of Consciousness or No Boundary. Those books are more about the personal trans. Transcendence and transcendental psychology, and the subjective experience of you and your own journey to spirit. Whereas sex ecology, sex ecology, sex ecology spirituality is the full bang, full cosmos. So it encompasses a lot more, and it's very dense. It's almost like you're reading. It's like reading the introduction to a thousand books. And they're all woven together. It's that dense. So strap yourself in if you want to go for that. And then on the other side, well, there's also the books that they talk about in this book, which is not by Ken Wilber. And, well, that's like A Course in Miracles or the Father Keating books or different religious texts. And there's a whole bunch of those and, well, really, you've got to take notes and do your own further research. So it's a really good book for a starting point of opening yourself up to further knowledge because you can read through Grace and Grit and see what sort of things she's talking about and see, well, I might like to know more about that. Oh, I'd like to check more of that out. And then you can do that. So. There is also one thing which this book, Grace and Grit, doesn't cover. I and mean, it's, it's my only criticism. Well, it's not really a criticism, but I think I think I would have liked to have heard more about this one thing just to know how they dealt with it. But it wasn't mentioned pretty much at all in this entire book. And that is money. How on earth did Treya and Ken afford this? And it's just given that, well, they can afford it. Or at least that's how it comes across in the narrative. And doctor's appointments, treatments, traveling, and they're moving house and they're going to different places and all the different tests that they do and all the different alternative medicines and all the drugs and and all this stuff, well, it's got a massive cost to it. And they must have spent a lot of money. And I don't know why they didn't talk about this. Maybe it's just given that, well, Ken wilber he's a famous author, so he has royalties coming in and they don't need to worry about it. Or Trey has got some work and she's got little bit of a nest egg, and they don't need to worry about it. Maybe that's the case. We don't know. It doesn't say in this book. And I really feel that if it was to be, if it, it could have been, I, can't, I mean, I can't criticize this book. There's no way I can criticize this book. I'm just saying that for it to be more encompassing for the people who are reading it, and I mean, what what could they have said, really? Because people who have cancer or who are going through that journey as a support person or whatever, and they have the problem of money, well, that makes it even more complex, doesn't it? And I'm sure there are foundations and government subsidies, depending on which country you're in, which can help with that. But it's just another one of those things which is complex and hard to really get into a deeper understanding of. And I can't imagine what it would be like to have to go through cancer and have the added burden of money issues. So I just assumed that, well, Ken Wilber, he's a famous author, so he can afford what he can afford and that's why it wasn't mentioned and they just didn't feel to say much about that and why it wasn't included in this book. Now there are other books, there's another famous book which I've read, which is The Cancer Journey, and that is, that's called When Breath Becomes Air, by Paul Kalanithi. And he was an incredible doctor, who was training to become one of the most specialized, high-end brain surgeons. And he'd done something like 10 years of postgrad medical training to become a brain surgeon. And basically, by the end of that, well, he would have had this amazing life. He could have got any job he wanted in any place, he would have been paid truckloads of money, bucket loads of money. And it would have been, well, the life that he's working for. But just as he's graduating, just as he's reaching this point, he comes down with cancer. And he finds that, well, at that point, all those philosophical questions about meaning and work and what life is all about come bubbling up. And he decided, well, the best thing he could do was to write a book. So that's the book When Breath Becomes Air. And it's a very heart-wrenching book. It's a very touching book as well. Beautifully written. And it's a very different story to Grace and Grit. I mean, it doesn't have all the transcendental psychology in it. It doesn't have all the mysticism in it. It's still very much a rationalist paradigm. And yet... It's still worth a read. It's still worth learning about. If I mean, if grace and grit resonates with you, then that's another cancer story which is very powerful. And I've heard cancer stories from people personally. And I met someone on my travels who was actually a plastic surgeon, and he would do the surgery on women's breasts who had had certain cancers, including breast cancer. And his story it was oh, it was just it was unbelievable. it was just one of those stories I could not believe. And in some sense, I don't, I still don't believe it, but I, I sort of feel tentative to relay it here because of how outrageous it was or how astonishing it was. And his story was that well, his wife got breast cancer, and she died. She died of breast cancer. And this is a surgeon who actually works on women's breasts. He actually does the plastic surgery side of breast cancer removal. And then his second wife came along, and actually she also got breast cancer. And he said to me that he went through a phase of wondering, is he giving them the cancer? Is he drawing this to himself and to the people in his life? And the critical moment for him and the most beautiful thing he said was that, well, actually, if my wife has cancer, that's a good thing because who in the world is more qualified than me, someone who's already dealt with these things in that other wife that he had who died of cancer? And when I heard that I just burst into tears. I was just astonished at how resilient he is. And as it turned out, well, she survived. And I met her and he was there where I was during my travels and we were talking together. He was telling these stories and I couldn't believe I could not believe it. I could not believe it. And I said, this is such an incredible story. You must write a book about this. And he said, ah, yes, well, I have written a book, but didn't quite come together. I've tried many times and, well, that's just how it goes. Because writing a book is one thing and having a story is another. And not always do the two coincide. Now, in the case of Ken and Treya, well, They are authors. They are writers. So that's why the book has happened. But by no means does that mean it's the only story, the only incredible story out there. There are many untold stories. And as for me personally, well, I have known people who have died of cancer. And there's two in particular. One was my drum teacher, who I was very fond of in my adolescent years. And he taught me jazz drums when I was learning to play music. And he died of cancer. And the other person was my father. My father had cancer. And he had cancer before I was born. And he did chemotherapy and he had surgery and he did radiation. And he went into remission. And he was actually considered, well, recovered. And then I was born. And for 17 years, he was fine. 17 years, he lived cancer-free. And when I was around the age 17, well, he was diagnosed with cancer. And 12 months later, after a long battle, many treatments, and quite a, quite a gruesome deterioration, he died. so i lost my father to cancer and maybe that's why the book grace and grit resonates so much with me maybe it's just <laughs> maybe it's just because i like transcendental psychology <laughs> maybe it's just cuz i like the perennial philosophy maybe who knows but that's something that i thought i'd share with you and I will tell my story when the time is right. I am, I am going to write my autobiography, and I intend to release that as an audio book. And that won't just be my story of my relationship with my father and his battle with cancer, but that will be a full story in many different ways. And it, well, when it happens is when the time will happen. It will happen in its right time in its own way. So keep an eye out for that. And now I realize that, well, we actually just got serious again. We're not supposed to be serious. Don't be so serious. Come on. It's not so bad. Cheer up. Cheer up. There's got to be some cancer jokes out there, right? What's the most expensive haircut in the world? Chemotherapy. I don't know about that one. Dark humor is like a child with cancer. It never gets old. A man goes for his annual checkup. Afterwards, he's sitting in the doctor's office, and the doctor comes in with the results of his tests. The doctor says, I have some bad news. You have cancer and Alzheimer's. And the man replies, well, at least I don't have cancer. (laughs) Okay, what about this one? What do you, what do you call a kid with cancer walking through the airport? Terminal. (laughs) Oh my goodness. What did the kid with leukemia watch last night? Finding chemo. What does milk and a kid with cancer have in common? An expiration date. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh God. Am I really saying this? <laughs> so I went to the doctors, and the doctor said, pick a star sign, any star sign. So I said, Aquarius. And the doctor said, nah, mate, you've got cancer. <laughs> God, can you imagine the doctor that would say that? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, what about this one? A woman visits the doctor as she has some abdominal pains and suspects she might be pregnant. After her examination, the doctor comes out and says to her, well, I hope you like changing nappies. And she says, oh my God, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And he says, no, you've got bowel cancer. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, what about this one? How many cancer patients does it take to change a light bulb? 10. One to change the light bulb and nine to talk about how inspired they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit dark. That sort of that sort of puts a like that puts a rain on the whole thing of like oh it's so inspiring like oh cancer journey so inspiring oh it sort of makes fun of that. <laughs> a woman comes to the doctors and says, "Doctor, I think I have cancer." The doctor checks it out and says, uh, it's all in your head." And she says, "Phew!" And then she sa- and then the doctor says, "No, the tumours—they're all in your head." <laughs> okay. Well, I think that covers everything. It's been an incredible journey to be. Studying this book again, and it's been great to... <laughs> it's been so inspiring to... I've got the giggles now. I can't be serious. It's So I guess we shouldn't finish on such a serious f- point anyway. So, I mean, I never get to... I mean, there's such rare times that I get to just babble because I'm always talking so carefully on most of the other episodes. So I usually take, I usually take the end of a series as... My chance to babble a bit and just speak a bit more not-so-formally words making sense and in order, correctness, how they are said. So, I guess, nothing wrong with that. I also like to say, well, what's coming up? What's coming up? Well, what's coming up? More episodes. We'll be doing more episodes and we will be doing more series as well. I don't know if we'll do something quite as heavy as Grace and Grit. But we've still got more commentaries that I'd like to do. And there's more awareness, self-talk awareness techniques, demonstrations that I would like to do. And we're still yet to have the heaviest ones. And I've said before that some heavy stuff is coming. Well, grace and grit is part of that. But some heavy stuff is coming in the way of self-talk awareness techniques. So I have an episode called Self-Talk Therapy and Awareness Techniques. And that gives an introduction. And then I've got series where I actually demonstrate it. So Speaking in Tongues, that was a seven-part series. Speaking to the Nameless. I think that was a that was like a nine part series where I spoke to a different person in my life. And then there was the series What happens when I? And each episode was a different answer, a different ending to that. What happens when I listen to music? What happens when I think? What happens when I speak the truth? What happens when I fall in love? And so they're a different category of series to things like the Harry Potter series, the Harry Potter commentary, or this series, the Grace and Grit commentary. And there's heavy stuff coming. There's big stuff coming. We venture forth. And I sincerely hope you've enjoyed... Oh, I almost forgot. One thing I did forget is... If you have listened to this series and you're listening to me right now, please send me an email. I would love to hear from you some feedback about this series. So email me at andrewlakepodcast at gmail.com. A-N-D-R-E-W-L-A-K-E. P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Andrew Lake Podcast, all one word at gmail.com. Just send me a few words. Say hey Doster, I listened to your series. And thank you. Or whatever you felt, whatever you whatever your impression was. What was your impressions? What were your impressions of grace and grit? And well, I hope I hear from someone, (laughs) because at this stage, I really don't know if anyone is listening at all to any of the episodes that I have recorded. So I would very much like to hear from you. So I think on that note, we can wrap things up. I hope you have a beautiful day. Keep smiling. I hope we've left you on a happy note after so much emotional and mental work. We've been through on this incredible series. I've had a blast. I'm loving every second of it. I feel so good. And thank you, thank you so much. Ah, oh, just warm feelings, big hug from Dosta. And that's all I have to say for now.